Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with Natalie Creary from Black Thrive. She's the director of Black Thrive, and she was on our panel discussion just now at the Mental Health Research For Me event. Hi, Natalie. How are you doing? Hi. I'm, I'm good. It's been a fantastic event, and it's been really nice to hear all the contributions from everybody in relation to mental well-being um, and research. And you raised some points that made me nod profusely. You must have seen me in the audience just going, yes, yes, thank you for saying that about you know about discrimination and um, inequalities and racism in mental health and how black people people from minority backgrounds um, not just racial backgrounds but all sorts of minority backgrounds are not included in research don't have research done in you know about them um, yeah just tell us about your work in that in that area so I think um, in terms of our work at Black Thrive, we sort of recognise that uh, there is definitely a gap in terms of research, in, in terms of even in, informing our work around the black experience. Um, a lot of work we're kind of looking outside of the UK um, in terms of you know the, the USA, because they're a bit more f- further forward than we are in the UK context. And I think what's also missing is... Um, the work generally kind of looks at kind of describing the disparity, but not necessarily focusing on some of the underlying reasons, the root causes um, for the disparity that we are um, observing, um, in particular around structural barriers. And as I mentioned um, in the session, you know, people's experience of racism and the impact that that has both on their physical health and their mental well-being. Um, and that's not just, you know, on the basis of kind of on an interpersonal level that, oh, I don't like you because you're black, but actually it's the structures that both kind of create and sustain inequality and how um, we often don't even think or see it. Um, and I think that that's something that we need to really think about in research. So, yes, people, you know, you might see that are, are maybe people from black backgrounds are less likely to access some services, but we're not asking the question, why? Or if people are not um, um, adhering to treatment, again, we're not asking the question, well, why is it? Um, and how does their experiences of racism kind of place stresses on their you know on their lived experience but also when they're in the system how they are treated differently or assumptions are made about them um, you know based on you know unconscious bias I was really struck by Samir's point Samir from the Race Equality Foundation who said mental health or the prevention of mental illness or the is is a great thing for people from black and minority backgrounds because it means they won't have to go into services where they're treated, where they're discriminated against, you know, the criminal justice system, the health service. And that's a really good point, I think, isn't it? But it's also a really depressing point. It is, and I think that's certainly something that we are grappling with at, at, at Black Thrive. You know, we recognise that um, part of prevention um, is about you know, early access um, to support. Um, but if a service isn't culturally appropriate, then it means that you'll probably have a negative experience um, and less likely to engage. So for us, um, it, it's a sort of um, we have to kind of look at the challenge from different perspectives. So we are taking a systems approach. So on the one hand, it's the work with communities in terms of um, ensuring that people um, are aware of the importance of early intervention, but also kind of working with providers to ensure that 
you know, you know, to work towards developing services that are more culturally appropriate and culturally sensitive. And I think what's most important is that communities are part of that conversation. Um, so fundamentally, you know, yes, I'm a black woman, but I'm, I don't live in Lambeth. Um, I probably, you know, don't represent, um, you know, black people in Lambeth who are from lower socioeconomic groups, for example. So, yes, I'm visibly kind of, you know, you can see the visible um, diversity, but it, it's not really kind of getting down into, like, the intersectional differences in terms of the black experience. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a lot of discussion in the room about co-production and about how we reach communities and how we work together in research. One of my reflections on that was that I work very closely with researchers at UCL and at King's and at Oxford, you know, they're high-flying high universities, so I don't know how representative they are, but I don't know very many black minority ethnic researchers. Yes. Um, and there's one or two, but there's not that many. Um, so isn't that the biggest issue, oh. that, that we have no kind of people working in research from these backgrounds? Well, again, this is, you know, systemic institutional kind of racism it's structured you know these are structural barriers so if you think about um you know people's experience in the education system you know if you're black and male you're and, and particularly from a caribbean background you know you are less likely to have a positive experience in the education system um, which will probably mean that you don't necessarily perform as well um, which will then mean that you don't get into university. Um, you know, again, if you are from a minority background, your performance in terms of actually getting into a university is probably not. Um, you know, you're probably you know less likely to you know achieve the scores that you need in order to get into um, you know Russell Group universities. Mm. And again, when we look at who sort of funds research and who gets most of the funding these are generally Russell Group universities so they already have the monopoly um, and then they, they, they aren't representative and yet they may be undertaking research you know on communities um, which is kind of problematic um, so there is something about you know addressing the challenges in the education system um, but also for people who are funding um, you know research that they are actually thinking about well you know where are we trying to make the difference so I know lots of you know universities that are not Russell Group universities who are very close to communities and trying to do research that's going to make a difference you know on the ground um, and yet they struggle to access funding so it's really something for funders to really think about is you know if we really want to get to the root cause of this they also need to think about how they perpetuate that cycle of inequality by the decisions they make yeah absolutely funding. i interviewed a couple of young black women um who had lived experience of postnatal depression recently for a podcast i was making and i was asking them about getting involved in research and they were both involved in this research study and they decided to get involved because they wanted to make a difference it was a genetic study depression study and it really struck me um, when they were talking about the cultural barriers from their community about research and about mental health and about genetics. You know, there's so many barriers to actually getting involved. What do you think this particular partnership between the Mental Health Foundation and Cochrane can, can kind of learn from that? And how do you think we can better reach the communities that we need to in terms of involvement and interest, I suppose, in research? So I think there's something about trust. Um, so 
you know, there is research out there, especially if we think about kind of the, the work around eugenics, um, that has been really damaging in terms of um, the experiences of people from minority backgrounds, um, reinforcing stereotypes. Um, so for you know black people, even for myself, in terms of getting involved in research, um, I think it's really important to, under, as I said, like the understanding the politics of the researcher, because you don't really want to participate in something that's actually, you know, further down the line is probably going to make your life much harder. Um, and I think it's important for researchers to be conscious of that when they're publishing their results, that they're thinking about the, con you know, the social context in which, um, you know, the social context of their findings. Um, in terms of how, sorry, in terms of how to make, um, sorry, the second part of your question. Yeah, it's about, I guess it's just generally about making communities that research doesn't currently reach yeah. interested in it and thinking, you know, this is something that I'm going to use potentially in my, you know, life to care for myself, to live well. Yeah, so I think there's something about involving them so that we're asking questions that are of importance of importance to them I think you know that's really important but thinking about different ways of disseminating information so that it doesn't have to be a journal article it doesn't have to be a report but thinking about other interactive ways that people can engage in research um, and I think you know through festivals you know there are loads of different ways that we could be doing that yeah absolutely well, brilliant work thank you so much for talking to me thank you <laughs>